What a beautiful song, isn't it? Well, there are a few phrases that you are probably, you know of these few phrases. And some people even thought that these phrases were from the Bible. Let me give you a few, right? God will not give you more than you can handle. It's not in the Bible, right? It's true, but it's not in the Bible. All good things come to those who wait. Not in the Bible, but it's true. This you may be familiar. To thy own self be true. Who said this? Shakespeare's, yes, to thy own self be true. Money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money, isn't it? It's not money. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. And the last one is God helps those who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. It is true maybe before your exams, <laughs> but it is certainly not true in terms of your salvation. God helps those who cannot help themselves. Yeah, that is the, what Scripture says. We have been studying the book of Galatians, and Galatians, the phrase justification by faith, meaning to say that you are declared righteous by God, is by believing in Jesus. You are declared righteous by God is when you believe in Jesus. That's why Jesus is called a Savior on the cross. And this simple gospel of truth over the years has been threatened. Even now today, there are social gospel, there are uh, prosperity gospel, there are legalistic gospel, they're floating around. And not just now, but even back then in the apostolic era, already uh, such kind of uh, things were under threat. And that is the situation in Galatians, because after Paul planted these churches, he left and some Jewish believers from Jerusalem went to Galatia and said to them, No, no, no. Yes, you must believe in Jesus, but you must also observe the Mosaic law. You have to circumcise, you have to observe the ceremonial law, and as well as the civil law and everything else that is stipulated in the law, you must obey and keep, keep it all then and only you are considered safe. So Paul has to write to Galatia to refute this idea that's been floating around. And he even scolded them, you foolish Galatian, who has bewitched you, who has, who has cast a spell on you to believe such kind of gospel. I'm telling you, if, you, if there's any other gospel other than I have preached to you, there's no other gospel at all. And so Paul is trying to clarify that situation, that the gospel is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Let me see whether I have this, this phrase here. Arthur Pink. Arthur Pink is an uh, English writer. Uh, he said, To declare that God helps those who help themselves is to repudiate one of the most precious truths taught in the Bible. And in the Bible alone, namely, that God helps those who are unable to help themselves, who have tried again and again and again only to fail. 
This is the heart of our Christian gospel. That salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so, God made a promise right at the start to Abraham that when Abraham believed in God, as I showed you last week, that it was credited to him as righteousness. Remember God brought him out and looked at the stars in heaven and said, your descendants will be as vast as this number of stars here. And what is Abraham did. Abraham believed in Genesis chapter 15 verse 6 and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so the natural question that we have to ask is if you are being declared righteous based on your belief in Jesus, then the, general, then the Galatian people naturally will ask, then what is the purpose of the law? Why God gives us the law then if we are justified by Grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. What is the purpose of the law? And interestingly, Martin Lloyd-Jones, an uh, old English preacher, uh, said once that you have to preach the gospel until someone asks that question. You have to preach the gospel until someone straight away says, does it mean that you give me license to sin? If gospel is by grace, is um, be, being declared righteous by God is by grace alone. Does it mean to say that I have license to continue to sin? Martin Lloyd Jones is saying that if people don't have that question in their mind, then you have not actually preached the true gospel of your grace yet. And so the, the question that Paul wants to answer then in this section that Jeff has just read to us is what is the purpose of the law? If our salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, then why did God give law to Moses, to the people, if we are not saved by it? So this is the session that I'm going to answer. So I want to answer it under two big headings. The first heading is what the purpose of the law is not, and then what the purpose of the law is according to these verses that has Paul has given to us. So let me begin with, uh, and then each heading, there are, uh, there are two sub-points, all right? And that is why today the, the title of the sermon is The Promise is Superior to the Law. The law is inferior. Promise is superior. And what the purpose of the law is not. I want to start out and I want to give you two points uh, based on the first few verses. The first one is that the purpose of the law is not to change the promise made to Abraham. Because God has already made a promise to Abraham. Say that your descendants will be as, and God is going to use you, use the, your descendants to be a blessing to the world. So God has given that, and because Abraham believed in God, and God said, because of that, you are credited to him as righteous. You are he has been declared righteous because he believed God's promise him that. So that is the promise that God gave to him, a covenant, or they call Abrahamic covenant, that God made with Abraham. And then after, later on, then the law was given. So Paul in his mind is telling them, the purpose of the law is not to change or annul, as an ESV version says, annul or change the promise made to Abraham. 
It says here, I, I'm going to read to you in New Living Translation because it's, it's quite easy to understand. Uh, and for that purpose, I decided to use this version this morning. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. Paul is saying that the purpose of the law, the giving of the law first and foremost, is not to change or annul the promise that God made to Abraham. Because once two parties conclude an agreement, a third party cannot come along years later and change the agreement. We all know that. You sign a contract with a builder, someone outside can just, cannot come just to, just to change it. And the only person who can change an original agreement are the persons who made it. So to add anything to it or to take anything from it would be illegal. If this is true among sinful men, among us, how much more does it apply to the holy God who made the covenant with Abraham? Abraham did not make this covenant with God. God made a covenant with Abraham. That's the difference between covenant and contract. Covenant is not contract. Contract is depending on 50-50. Covenant is depending entirely 100% on God. God is the one who made the covenant. And God made the covenant while Abraham was asleep. It was a covenant of grace and God made promises to Abraham. Abraham did not make any promises to God at all. He just believed in what God says and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And therefore, he went on to say, this is what, I'm going to skip verse 16 and jump to verse 17 first. I'll come back to verse 16. This is what I am trying to say, Paul says. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be cancelled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. The purpose of the law is not to change the promise made to Abraham. It, doesn't, it cannot change the promise made to Abraham because, I mean, the law doesn't void the promise given to Abraham for a very simple reason. The law is inferior to the promise. The law comes later. The law is inferior to promise. Therefore, it cannot replace or change the promise. It is inferior for three reasons, Paul says. For three reasons why the law is inferior. It says here in verse 19, the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. It is inferior because the law was only temporary. The law was given only for a temporary period. It's a, only for a period of time. Paul said the law was designed to last, to give until the coming of the child who was promised, which is Jesus. When Jesus come. The law doesn't apply anymore. So Paul is saying the law is inferior because it is temporary. And because it is temporary, it is inferior. Therefore, it cannot change the promise. Why would you, the inferior one, 
change the superior one. The superior one stands. It is inferior because it is temporary. And not only the law was temporary, but the law is inferior in the sense that it is it requires a mediator. It requires a mediator. Look at verse second part of verse 19 under the green highlight. God gave his law through angels through Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. So God gave the law to the angel. The angel gave the law to Moses. And then Moses gave the law to the people. So you see, it went through so many mediators in the sense. But when God made the covenant with Abraham, it was direct. It was direct. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator at all when making the covenant with, when he gave his promise to Abraham. And so, the law is inferior because the law is temporary. It was placed there until the coming of Christ to govern the nation of Israel. It's temporary. And the law is inferior because you require a mediator, whereas God gave, made covenant with Abraham is a direct. Direct. And thirdly, why the law is inferior and therefore it cannot change the promise is the law was not given to provide life. Whereas the promise, now Jesus Christ will live in the Holy Spirit, it gives us life. Whereas law can't give you life. In verse 21, it says, then Paul said, is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Paul said, absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying. So he naturally implying the law cannot give us new life. And because the law cannot give us life, and therefore the life must come from the promise, which is through the descendant and eventually Jesus Christ come from there. So the first uh, things that Paul basically mentioned uh, what the law, the purpose of, purpose of the law is not, is that it is not to change the promise made to Abraham. It, it cannot change the promise made to Abraham for simple reason that the law is inferior. It is not superior. You don't replace something uh, that is superior. Right? I mean, I would like to think that we have upgraded this church is, is to better. We use better material and all kinds of things, make it better in the sense. And so it is inferior. It is inferior because it is only temporary. The law is temporary and the law requires a mediator and the law is also not given to provide life. So the purpose of the law. Secondly, what the purpose of the law is not, before we come to it is, is that it is not to provide the promise made regarding the child. In other words, second thing that Paul wants to say is that the law is not the fulfillment of the promise. The fulfillment of the promise is Jesus, not the law. So the purpose of the law is not to provide the promise made regarding the child. It is not. And he answered that in verse 16 to 18. That's why I pick up verse 16 that I, I skipped just now. He said, God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. 
And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children, which are ESV versions of offsprings, as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child, and that, of course, means Christ. God made promises, the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham that descendants will come, that someone that will liberate them. It's not the law. Paul is saying it's not the law that is fulfilling this promise. It is Jesus later on. Of course, at the time of Paul, it has already been fulfilled. Huh? It has already been fulfilled. But when the law was given during Moses' time, Christ hasn't come yet. But at this point, when Paul wrote to them, Paul is going back and said the promise of a child is in the future. The law is not the fulfillment of what was promised, but it was Christ that is the fulfillment of the promise, not the law. And so the, law, the purpose of the law is not, in that sense, is not to provide the promise made regarding the child. But the wonderful thing is that it is, it is not just that the promise remains, but the promise is already been fulfilled at this point of time when Paul actually uh, mentioned it to the Galatians. Uh, that the promise is not just remain, but the promise is already fulfilled. It has come to pass. In Jesus Christ, it has been fulfilled. So the whole point of the promise has arrived in history, in Christ, and his descendants, his offspring. Christ is the seed. Christ is the offspring. As verse 16 tells us, Christ is the offspring, the seed of Abraham. And all who are blessed are blessed in Christ. And so Christ is a fulfillment even of the Davidic covenant. God also made a covenant with David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that his descendants will continue. His descendants will continue from the line of Judah until Jesus returned. So the promise to Abraham, the promise to David, and the promise to the prophets in Jeremiah, in, in elsewhere of the new covenant, all bound up in God's eternal, unconditional grace, sovereign grace. The promise is superior, and it all resolved in Christ. It all resolved in Christ. Christ is a fulfillment of that. Not the law, Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 says, Do you think that I have come to abolish the law? Jesus says, or the prophets? No, no, not at all. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So when Christ came, he is the fulfillment of all that God's promise. It comes to accumulation on God, Jesus Christ himself. All the laws, all the prophets have said, everything Christ fulfilled. He did not come to abolish it. He actually fulfilled Everything. Or I give you another beautiful verse that Paul says in 2 Corinthians. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him, which is Jesus. So all that God has promised in the Old Testament, everything is find their yes in Jesus. And that is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. And so for for Paul to submit to circumcision, to go back and observe the law and ceremonial law and all that for the Jewish people then turns back the clock in salvation history. Yeah? God progressively revealed in a sense. 
Why would we go back to the law when the promise is here? A promise that comes by faith, not by works. A gift of grace. Something that came before and now has come and stands as far better than the law. So the promise not just remains, but it has already been fulfilled. And so Paul is trying to argue the purpose of the law is not to change the promise made to Abraham because it is inferior. The law is inferior. It is only temporary. It requires mediator. It doesn't give life. And then it is also not to provide the promise made regarding the seed. The law is not the fulfillment of the promise. The fulfillment of the promise is Christ, not the law. Alright, so second heading that I want to share with you is what the purpose of the law is then. If it is not those things, then what is the purpose of the law? And that is the remaining of the verses from 19 to 25. I have two points here that Paul gives to us what the purpose of the law is. The first one is the purpose of the law, interestingly, is to reveal sin. It is to reveal sin. It says here, why then was the law given, Paul says. It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. To the Judaizer, they think that the law is to restrain sin. Yes? The law is restraining sin in some sense, isn't it? Yeah? But Paul here is saying that the law actually is to reveal sin. For example, if I were to drive on uh, Thompson Road, what is the speed limit on Thompson Road? 60, not 70? 60, alright, 60. Now imagine if you drive 80. Can the traffic police stop you and find you? Yes. Why? Because there is a speed limit of 60. Imagine there is no speed limit sign there. You drive at 80. Is that a problem? It's not a problem. You're not breaking the law. So when they put the sign there, 60, poop. You, ate, you cross 60, you are breaking the law. But without the sign, you drive 100, no problem. So the law is to reveal sin, Paul is saying. It's to show that you sin. It's to show that you do wrong thing. It is there to show people their sin. It is not just to restrain sin. It's temporary measure. Yes, I'll come to that. As I, as I said, law is temporary. But it is mainly the law was given to re reveal sin. The Judaizer believed the law was to restrain sin, but to Paul, the law was to reveal sin. It is here that we see the way that law and grace cooperate together in bringing the lost sinner to Jesus Christ. The law shows the sinner his guilt. And grace shows him the forgiveness he can have in Christ. The law is holy and just and good, but we are unholy, unjust and bad. So the law does not make us sinners. It reveals to us that we already are sinners. The law is a mirror. 
that helps us see our dirty faces in the morning. You need to touch up here. You need to do this. You need to squeeze out your pimples. You got to put more powder in this part to conceal it or something like that. So the mirror is there to reveal. But you can't use the mirror to wipe your face. It is just there to tell you, to show you that it needs some attention. You do not wash your face with the mirror. It is grace that provides the cleansing through the blood of Jesus. There is a lawful use of the law and there is an unlawful use of the law. The lawful, the lawful use of the law is reveal sin that causes us to see our need of a Savior. The unlawful use is to try to achieve salvation by keeping the law. Verse 22, it says, But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Because the law revealed, kept us as a prisoner of sin. There's an interesting hotel in Texas uh, called the Flagship Hotel in Galveston, Texas. It is built next to the water, as you can see from a various view. Um, large plate glass windows uh, adorn the ground level dining room. And occasionally, guests used to come up with the brilliant idea of fishing from their balconies, located directly above the dining room. And using heavy sinkers, they would cast their hooks and bait into the water. But unfortunately, the lines were sometimes too short and the, the, leader, the leather sink, sinkers would swing down, shattering the window. And so the restaurant always had to replace window because of the, the problem. And after spending a lot of money without solving the problem, the management decided to uh, uh, stumble upon this very, very simple solution that fixed their problem. You know what they did? They just, they just removed the no fishing from balcony signs from the rooms. And then it fixed the problem. No one fish anymore. For some reason, when you have that sign, it makes people want to fish. Oh, you mean you can fish here? Oh, maybe I can try. Somehow, the law... It's like that, what Paul is saying. The law reveals sin when we do wrong. It, reveals, it is there to tell us that we have done wrong. That we have done wrong. And finally, what I want to share with you, what the purpose of the law is, is not just to reveal sin, because that is, and then what? All right, I know I'm sinner, and then what? And then, here, Paul is saying the purpose of the law, yes, is to reveal sin. Ultimately, when it reveals sin, the purpose of the law is to prepare the way for Christ. It will ultimately lead you to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, I tell you, those who love laws, those who try your best to, to keep laws and all that, in some sense, I'm not talking just the external law, but also the internal law, the motives and all that, you will realize that you can't keep it. You realize that you force. It is people who actually don't 
love the law, try to keep the law, things that they can keep the law. But you actually dive deep into it, you will realize how wretched you are in keeping a lot of the law. And here, Paul is saying that, well, the purpose of the law is to reveal sin. It is also to prepare the way for Christ. Let me show to you. The law definitely show us the way to faith and reveal our great need. Is there a conflict then, Paul said, between God's law and God's promises? Paul said, not at all. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it, he said. Remember last week we talked about if you want to leave salvation by law alone, then you keep everything. Paul is saying you have to keep everything. You just break one, you're finished. In the eyes of God, need to be perfect, you see. He said, absolutely, if the law could actually give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scripture declared that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by belief, by believing in Jesus Christ. He said, we are prisoners of sin. We are trapped. Our default position is somehow to do wrong. This gravity that's sucking us to do wrong in a sense. He says, it is like, it is, and sorry, let me give you verse 20. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under God by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until when? Until the way of faith was revealed. So law has a temporary measure. Before Christ came, they were placed under God by law. So as a nation of Israel, the law was given to govern them for a temporary moment and therefore to look forward to the saving knowledge of Christ that eventually the Messiah will come. It is a temporary measure. And here Paul speaks of the law and all of God's word acting like a prison guard, pushing us into the cell, locking the gate behind us, and showing us how much we were under the power of sin, and just how much we needed help being freed from it. We are entrapped by sin. We are in bondage to it. And therefore Paul said, sin is like that. It, it, is, it is trapped like a prison guard by it. And we were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith revealed. And then finally, in verse 24 and 25, God, Paul gave us another image, not just only a guard, but this time is the word guardian or nanny. The law acts like a nanny. The law acts like a guardian. Paul said, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could make right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. Paul said, law is our guardian. Like a nanny. In the old time, in the Jewish family, sometimes they have nanny, they have guardians. to look after the child. To not to teach them in a sense, it's just to guide them. It's to, it's to, it's to, as a guardian in terms of, okay, don't do this, don't touch this, you know. That's a way to guide them. But it's only again for a little while. Guardian is only a little while, isn't it? 
Even if overseas students I know, sometimes some of our church members, they, are, they, they play host to, 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 to these young people. They are guardian because they are below the age of 18. They are just guarding them. And law, Paul is saying that law is like a guardian, only for temporary measure. And so for us, even parenting is like that. You can impose law. You need to, you know, restriction and all that when they are young. But once they are adult, 18 years old, you can't do that anymore. You don't have to do that. And next week, Caroline is going to pick it up and say that now we are son. We are not slave anymore. We are son. And therefore, we are under a different set of relationship. So Paul here basically says that law is acting there as a guard, as a guardian for a temporary period of time. And now that the way of faith was, has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. Warren Wiseby, in his commentary, he has a very beautiful heading. He said, the law cannot change the promise that we just mentioned. And the law is not greater than the promise because it's inferior. And the law is not contrary to the promise. They work together to bring sinners to the Savior. God doesn't help those who help themselves. He helps those who can't. The, the law was meant to show us we couldn't do it and guide us back to the promise. And we must cling to that promise together. Let me close with this illustration in two minutes. Radio personality Paul Harvey tells the story of how an Eskimo kills a wolf. I think I might have the PowerPoint. Eh? The account is grisly and yet it, it offers fresh insight into the consuming, self-destructive nature of sin. He said, first the Eskimo coats the knife blade with an animal blood and he allows it to freeze. And then he adds another layer of blood and then freeze it. And then another layer, freeze it. And then he repeats the process again, again, and again, until the blood is quite thick and conceals completely the blade. And then the hunter will fix his knife in the ground with the blade up. And when the wolf follows his sensitive nose to the source of the sin and discovers the bed, he licks it. Last tasting the fresh frozen blood. He begins to lick faster, more and more vigorously, lapping the blade until the keen edge is bare. Feverishly, now harder and harder, the wolf licks the blade in the Arctic night. So great become the craving for blood that the wolf does not notice the razor-sharp sting of the naked blade on his own tongue. Nor does he recognize the instant at which his insatiable thirst is being satisfied by his own warm blood. His carnivorous appetite just craves more until the dawn finds him dead in the snow. It is a fearful thing that people can be consumed by your own lust. Only God's grace keeps us from the wolf's fate and the grace of God is sufficient. Father, thank you. We want to come and we want to acknowledge that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Thank you for your forgiveness. As we sing this closing song, yes, Lord, we want to praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Holy Spirit, three in one. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Shall we stand as we